0: Hello podcast listeners, I think that this is episode 49 this week, I'm pretty sure, the Questions Podcast. Welcome to the show with Pastor Mark and Pastor Miles, full of spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. Spiritual? I can't talk, man. It's it's Wednesday afternoon. Spiritual minty freshness. And cold-blooded love. We got that. And what else do we have? Well, we're just smart enough to be dangerous. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. We got bottled water. We do have bottled water, Kirkland purified bottled water. Yeah, there's some people that don't like bottled water. Yeah, my wife gets upset at me because all I drink is bottled water, and she says it's oh, it's a waste of money. But I think you it's, add to it that I don't. I, I have a tendency of not finishing, maybe them. not finishing the bottle. I think it's great when I get in your car. There's like six bottles laying on the floor. Six? That would be a conservative I, I'm, estimate.
1: I, I you, bro, I'm, I'm nice. not trying to strip you down. Okay, You're I'm trying not trying to hurt nice. you.
0: You're a friend. friend. Well, that's very kind you know, of you. So, anyway, there's a few more than six. If that's your biggest fault,
1: I'm it thinking if not. that's a person's <laughs> biggest fault is they leave some half drink not. water bottles. You know, my daughter does this. What? She will make Which herself. Which daughter are we talking about? Emily will okay. make herself tea. Yeah, and she'll get so busy doing something she'll forgive it. Just forget it. Forgive she'll, it. For forget it. You and you got some some problems with her. Our... we need a maybe a lip stretcher or something I, I guess. Don't I don't know. So, okay, so anyway. she
0: forgets the tea. Yeah,
1: and then so you'll see this, this full this whole thing of tea sitting there, you know, and you go back on this day later, it's still there. Ooh. She forgets. She gets like Ooh. tea what do we call it? Forgetfulness.
0: Huh. It's
1: like Oh, a, the temerity. Temerity. You like that? Ooh. Was that when the Hindenburg blew up okay the guy was using all these he was trying to keep it together the guy was reporting oh you could tell and he kept using a whole bunch of words i believe he used the word temerity
0: i could be wrong really yeah but boy that's like it's kind of like the audacity oh the temerity
1: he was and you know i I, years later you see a recount because it's on film yeah of this poor guy who's the, he's the eyewitness, and just he's on talking, the air. Just keep talking, just keep talking. And he's just talking and talking, and you can see
0: he is just beside himself. Well, that's kind of like when uh, 9-11 happened, and the guys were watching it fall. Yes. And they're trying to keep talking, but they're totally shocked to the point of speechlessness. Right.
1: Well, and the space shuttle. Oh, yeah. Because that was all, you know, The Which one, Challenger live.
0: or Discovery? Challenger, the 85 yeah, one? Was that one
1: 1985? That, yeah, 85. I was sitting... In the... I was a young lad. I You were young. Yeah. I was sitting down there at Naval Ocean System Center, which is now hmm. Spay War. Spay War. And I was is there. It spa
0: War or Spay War?
1: They say it's Spay War because there's no spas in war. Oh. That's what they say. But then it was Naval Ocean System Center, and I was sitting on the motor vessel Allison. We were going to do a research project. I was there with a bunch of uh, Navy personnel and scientists and Navy SEAL guys, and we were all watching the shuttle... And it didn't turn out like we thought it was going to turn no, out. No, not so good. Anybody. Boy, it was really very moving, very hard. So if that was a day. I
0: well, met a guy. I was in Cocoa Beach, Cape Canaveral area for a conference, and I met a guy. That's who, like
1: Space Central.
0: Right. Yeah, Space Coast, they call it. Yeah. Uh, he was a kid when that happened, and he grew up there. And every single time there was a shuttle launch, all the kids would leave their classrooms and they go watch from the, you know, outside in the schoolyard. So he remembers as like a second or third grader watching it in person. That was pretty devastating. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but if you're watching... There's a happy thought to to a a podcast today. Well, I guess that'll be in place of our news stories because I don't have any news stories today unless you have a news
1: story. No, I, I, you know, I read the kind of a weird, it wasn't news. I get these... I get these security,
0: yeah, I saw that.
1: Uh, alerts for terrorist threats and things. I keep track of those for the church and for our security team. And uh, just an odd fact, they said from two thousand and January two thousand eighteen to uh, two thousand and nineteen think, December. December, so December, two years. Yeah, there was what seven hundred seven hundred twenty seven or twenty seven hundred twenty seven verifiable threats of. School violence shootings.
0: See, that seems really high to me. And this was just for San Diego County.
1: This is for San Diego and Imperial County. It seems
0: very. These high. These
1: are well, I know, but this is going from.
0: I'd like to see what the the, the threshold of like a, a threat of viral. Well, violence in there is. they talk about it. Did so they?
1: they're ones that have either been witnessed by other children. They, this, you know, somebody's threatening that they're going to go and you know shoot up the school, uh, or. excuse me, online threats like on Facebook or Instagram, things like that. Um, But
0: I mean, people say stupid things.
1: Oh no, I agree. They're just, they're tracking them. These are the ones that got reported and processed and um, people were questioned and and things like that. So it, and it definitely, you know, when one, they said there was definitely a spike in these things when there was one on the news. Of course. Yeah. So that was a kind of news kind of fed it, but I just thought that was an interesting statistic. Not a good one,
0: but. Yeah, I remember the first major big one was uh, April twentieth, was it nineteen ninety nine? Columbine, you remember that? Uh, actually, there was one before that with uh, Brenda Spencer. Oh yeah, that one too. But I'm talking about the first like major, major. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Those kids, kids go game. into a school campus, shoot it up. That was terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What totally in the world that. is going on? You know, I think it's demonic. I. I think there's some demonic influences. Yeah.
1: I'd camp out on that fact, that's yeah. for sure. So, anyway, yeah, th- there wasn't any really crazy news stories that, I mean, I could always look and see what's going on in no, Florida everything, right No, everything's
0: being stirred up by, you got impeachment this and impeachment that. It's kind of chaos. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we do, one of our questions has to do with a news story, which happens to be out of Florida, but we'll get to that later.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, we'll yeah. check that out. I yeah. haven't read, I mean, I kind of scanned them, so
0: um so that was cool
1: introduction to deuteronomy yeah we started a new book i jokingly keep want to call it deuteronicles because i've heard somebody misquote that before but anyway to
0: deuteronomy deuteronomy uh, i thought that was a good intro dude yeah um yeah i i'm really actually looking forward to going through this book it's nice to be in the old testament it's been a really long time i've always enjoyed teaching through the old testament yeah just because there's so many great stories yeah, you know, a yes. lot of my early teaching was in the Old Testament—Genesis, really? Exodus, Joshua, Judges. I taught through all those. The Kings,
1: Samuel. Yeah, there's some, there's rich some really good there. stories there,
0: and and really valuable stories
1: that were recorded that we can learn so much from. Yes, and then a lot of like
0: characters. There are some fun characters. Wow, I mean, Saul Samson and, 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 and David. Solomon, and, yeah, yeah and go down Hannah the Hannah and Jail, Balaam. Jail's awesome. She. Puts the tent peg yep. through Sisera's head. Yep. That's nice. Oh, good yeah. Good time. Judges. You know, teaching the book of Judges to junior hires was good. Yeah, Phineas. We might, we'll we probably talk about him. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I do. Yeah. There's... How about teaching the story uh-huh. of Ruth and Boaz Yeah, to junior high right kids? The right way.
0: like and But, like, not pulling any punches. Okay, the very first That'll time... That'll get some notes home. The very first time that I... um. Heard Pastor Chuck Smith teach was at a camp up in Green Valley Lake.
1: Far out, man. I was,
0: I was a high schooler. Yeah. And he and I like his second message of the day because he taught three messages. You remember camps. You'd have oh, two in the morning. I, we were there. The that's where oh, we yeah, met yeah. was camp. Yeah. So I was a Love 16 camp. years old, I think. 1996 yeah. at camp. And uh, Chuck was he did he talked about the entire story of Ruth and Boaz and it was awesome. Yeah, the way he approached it, it was... um, Did he pull any punches or did he just go straight with the story? He was straight with the story, man. It was good, but it was pretty funny because, you know, when you tell the story the way that it's written portrayed in the scriptures, Boaz was probably not a young guy. I mean, it's not like... And Ruth was probably a pretty young gal. Yeah. So I could just see Chuck now doing it. Culture, man, culture. Yeah. Culture is different. Uh, Just going, you
1: know... Snuggle up to this guy here. Right, and just go uncover his feet floor and lay at yeah. his feet
0: and he'll tell you what to do. Yeah. That's what the scriptures say. Don't get mad at me, peoples. They can get mad all they want. The right. Bible's a Bible. We can't apologize for that. He did everything upright though. He went to the jut or he went to the elders of the city, worked it all out. The kinsman Redeemer, Boaz. Didn't have story. to
1: spit in his shoe and throw it over the wall or whatever these are. Great they used to do. story. Great story. Yeah.
0: So uh, definitely a foreshadowing. Yes. Yes. And Ruth. The Moabitist Moabitis, she is in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, she's David's grandma. Too legit to quit. Man oh man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So Deuteronomy. We're in the book of Deuteronomy. We All are right. we are we have set sail. Here we go. There you go, man. No turning back. No turning back. Yeah. Okay, well, you you ready for a question? I'll take one.
1: Okay, here we go. Uh this is not about deuteronomy but it's definitely old testament the old testament old in verse four in the new king james it says moses this
0: actually was from deuteronomy
1: oh was it yeah. okay all right yeah, yeah, yeah. it's king... in the king jimmy it says moses killed the kings of the amorites and the king of Bashan. ah uh i think there's probably a misspelling here it says maybe it means in the english esv it says defeated. If a person did not know that God told Moses to kill everyone when going into battle, I would think that if someone was using the ESV only, they would be getting confused. If listening to someone is teaching out of the New King James, kill and defeated have different definitions.
0: Well, really, it's just a. It's my, just uh, an it issue says that words. my personal thought is King James
1: and the New King James is the closest to the correct translation.
0: Well,. Yeah, you know, this I would have to disagree because actually the closest to the, the actual literal translation would probably be the NASB. Um, but the word that is translated defeated or translated killed or destroyed in this verse, those are actually perfectly fine translations of that word. You know, the word in the original language is nakah. And that word can be translated a whole bunch of different ways. So it's not actually wrong to read it slaughtered or defeated or smote or killed. So there's just a number of different ways to read that that word.
1: But I do see how the question person could say defeated does have a little lighter. Lighter? It's a little lighter. Yeah. So I get it. But ultimately, well, I guess if you knew your church history, you'd know that defeated was dead at the time because they didn't keep those guys around no not so much they
0: smoked them smoked they smoted yeah we'll have a lot to talk about when we get into that whole thing because yeah. there's a number of things in deuteronomy that um challenge our modern sensibilities when we talk about the annihilation of groups and is the words are the words that are being used in deuteronomy are they um hyperbole which there's mm-hmm. actually some some good evidence that they may be hyperbole just like when we talk about um you know what the Kansas City Chiefs are probably going to do to the 49ers. Kill them. They're going to kill them. They're going to destroy them. But we know that they're not like... Even their entrails on the fifty yard line or anything.
1: They're just Well, I've seen some of those hits
0: are pretty hard. Yeah, but man, yeah. some of that helmet to helmet stuff, it does not look yeah, good. Yeah, they gotta knock that off. Dazed and confused. Ain't gonna happen. No, I know. I think they should just take the helmets away. Take the helmets and the pads away and let them be kind of like Australian rules football. They'd be more careful, that's for they sure. They would be, but those Australian rules guys, you'd ever seen those guys Dudes in person? Are gnarly. Their noses are all twisted. And oh yeah. yeah they got fingers that are going in twelve different directions. Yeah, and... no. It's not worth it. Oh, I don't know, man. Tells you a little bit. tells you a little bit something about Australians.
1: I actually had Those a lot of fun with all
0: the Australian guys I used to hang they're out tough. with. They're tough. Yeah. I think they're yeah. tough. Good, good. I have Australians fun. and Scots. The Scots. So,
1: um, but I think this has been put out. I mean, my early days at Calvary Chapel, I was pretty much, you know.
0: It was a big King James, New King big James Big King family.
1: James, big New King James thing. I think one of the challenges with the King James for us today is very few of us are good at translating those words into our thoughts. The King James King the, James. Yeah, the, the old King, King, King Jimmy. Jimmy the 16, original eleven, King, Yeah. yeah. And so the New King per James... Adventure. Per adventure. Kinds of smooths that out a little bit.
0: It does. Uh, but even the New King James is now, what, 30 years old? I know. Yeah. I know. Now, we teach so out of new. the New King James here, typically. I do. You know, I used to... Actually, before you came here, I taught out of the King James Bible. Ooh. And I had a group of our leaders come to me at one point and say... Would you mind switching to the New King James? Really? And I said, all right, surely. No problem. And they made a good point. They say, we're, we're passing out New King James Bibles, and um, it might be good if you read from the New King James. So I switched. Cool. Yeah, I've got an old King James Bible I've had since I was a kid. I got mine right here.
1: All right. I have my original. I still have my original one. And I must have been burning through Acts, because
0: Acts is like falling out of the thing. See, and the problem is I got lots of notes in this one. But they came to me and they said, hey, would you mind switching? And so, uh, but I still got this one. Wow. Handy-dandy translation. You want to see a gnarly Bible? Uh-huh. Sometimes see my wife's Bible. You ever? You remember Ray Comfort? Yeah. Ray Comfort had that Bible that was so massive. Could he have been using it so much? Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, my My wife's Bible looks like it has been through... The washing machine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, it was kind of crazy because one time we. What's were... What's that they used to say? If your your Bible is well worn, then your life won't be, or something like that. Maybe she yeah. just
1: she keeps a lot of notes. She's got notes yeah. from you know thirty some years in there. Wow. Uh, but the uh, from back at Horizon, she's got those, and then uh, one time it fell in the water at the dock. And it was like a crazy Old Testament thing because it didn't sink. There you go. It floated. I would think so. It a lot and she rescued paper.
0: it and dried it out, and she still uses it to this day. Do you take notes in your Bible? No. Yeah, I haven't. My newest Bible, I haven't put any notes in it. I Most of my notes are now electronic.
1: So what I do, yeah. what I used to do, because I like to, if I'm in a pulpit... Yeah. I like to have a start and a stop very plainly because I don't like to really look at my notes too much. Uh And so if I'm preaching right out of my Bible, I'll have a little highlighter that's one color where I start, and then a highlighter for when I, when I, the next verse I come to. So my points all line up so I can see that 15 feet away. And I use a giant print Bible. Well, that's smart because it makes you look like you've memorized the whole thing, which, you know, my little secret. But no, I don't, I don't have it all memorized. I have a funny Bible story. Oh, yeah? So there was a kid down the street from us. Uh Uh-huh. Nice kid. And my youngest son, Ethan, they got to be friends, and they're hanging out. And so uh, he saw my Bible sitting on the edge of uh, the desk. And at the time, when you bought a Bible at the Maranatha bookstore, you would get your name engraved on it for free free you know they put your name on there yeah and the kid literally was telling one of the other kids that i was such a famous pastor i'd actually written part of the bible my That's name so was great. on it like That's it was great. the mark childers version
0: that is awesome yeah nice we set them straight so yeah. the english standard version is, yeah. is newer yeah and uh, we actually handed a whole bunch of uh, journals out this last yeah. week and those are english standard version and it's not a bad version it's good you won't go too far into the weeds on that one no
1: no. I mean it's not the Precious Moments Bible, but hey.
0: Well, nothing but the Precious Moments Bible yeah. is. Now I've you got know. an NASB. what is it? New American New yeah. American Standard yeah. Bible. I've got one of those. And the H C S B. Well, I might the my NASB Southern Baptist Is Bible. a Zodiati keyword study Bible. Ooh. Ooh. Do I you got, remember the Thompson Chain reference? Yes, I still I got one, one. of those. That there was there too. Oh, yeah. That was huge. And the New Open Bible, the Thompson, yeah. no, it was a, I don't remember, Thomas Nelson's New yep. Open Bible. Yeah,
1: we used to call it the Full Nelson. There you go. And then um,
0: I had, uh, well, I had an NIV once. I still have it. it That's a great there. version. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of people talk down about down I know people down, go down nearly
1: inspired, it. all that. You know what the it's NIV good. was good for?
0: Was you know who preached from the NIV the for a long time? Who? The guy we like? Our, our good Scotsman, really? Alistair Begg. Alistair taught ta- he, he taught for Fluffy years the from the New International huh. Version. Well, I just like to read it because just to get the flow sometimes. Yeah, it's great. Of it, but yeah. When I open up my Bible software, I have four versions that automatically open. The New King James, the English Standard, the New International Version, and the New Living Translation. And I, I kind of cross-reference between all of them. They're great.
1: So um, I guess on the, the King James New King James thing, I don't think you can go too too wrong with the New King James. No, when you find and I don't variation, think can, you know, n- go too far too wrong with the um, uh,
0: the ESV. It's not my favorite translation, but uh, it works. It's very close to the New King James. But yeah. when you find variation, there's there's reason for the variation. There's difference in opinion from uh, translators as to how that word should be used in that passage. Okay, so yeah. I think we
1: we kind of settled that. But maybe uh, good catch. I'll
0: say. All
1: right. Uh, Number two, Simon of Cyrene. I thought they called him Simon the Cyrene, yes. Was credited as being the black man who helped Jesus with the cross. But wasn't he an Arab or Jew with dark skin?
0: Or was he what we consider black in the U.S.? Good question. Uh, It's very probable or possible, but very probable that he was uh, a Jewish man. And um, Cyrene is from, is Northern Africa, is Libya, modern day Libya. So he was a North African. Now that doesn't mean that he was black skinned. So it just means that he was North African. It's just like some of our friends that we have who are from South Africa. They're as white as white can be. White as sour cream. Yeah, They're Africans. Yep. Yeah. Brian Kelly
1: from Aranatha. His kids were born in Uganda. Uganda be kidding me. Uganda be kidding me. And they were as white as sour cream, but he used to say they were African-American.
0: Well, there you go. It's kind of funny. Uh, So Simon the Cyrene, yeah, he probably was not black-skinned. I mean, he may have been, but he probably was not. Yeah. Good catch. There's another good good catch.
1: catch. Yeah, that's just, it's out there. I don't know. You know, noticing
0: our questions as we go through these, we have some very astute Bible readers that listen to the podcast.
1: You better be on the top of your game, right? I I mean, you better be on it because they they will
0: fact-check you. Man, yeah. that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and now that we got our high-speed internet connection there in the... Uh, Although it wasn't working here in the office yesterday. It was having yeah. issues. Yeah, that thing was moving like molasses the other day. I think molasses we got it fixed.
0: Speed. Okay, good. We got it fixed. It was a wire problem.
1: All right. We need ludicrous speed wireless. That's what we need.
0: Yeah, Cox Cable called me the other day, and they wanted to upgrade me to gigabit ethernet. They only wanted me to spend another, I don't know, $60 a month. I said, no, I think I'm good. Yeah. Thank you very really much. Be. Wow.
1: Okay, um, number three, are other churches that are not teaching like we do wrong?
0: <laughs> I knew that was coming when huh. I was listening, when I was sitting in the sanctuary. You want to recap what I was saying and why this question came up?
1: Yeah, I, I think you were... I was um, giving a...
0: You were giving an overview.
1: Yeah, and a little bit of a i don't want to say it's a disclaimer a disclaimer that's I mean, the word can i was going to call it for? disclaimer
0: yeah, i think so i was going to say caveat but disclaimer is probably better yeah
1: and you were basically explaining uh, personally and i thought it was great i really did that you're explaining the tension you have when you're uh, got a little bit of tension study got tension some tension good tension got to loosen up uh, those shoulders yeah, some but tension but the tension that you have when you're teaching the scripture yeah uh, between uh, there and I think that's with anybody who's teaching you know there's the first there's the what to keep and what to throw out because there's a ton of information there but I throw um, out a lot
0: less these days yeah
1: but the, yeah. there's a, a tension there because um, the modern church has tended for the last 20 plus years to kind of dumb things down a little bit and maybe me a little bit more entertaining than they needed to be and I not do, that we want to be boring uh, boring is not good however, um, you made the point that a lot of churches are really, they're dumbing these things down and it's becoming more of an entertainment thing. And while it may engage people, it may not be doing um, them as the, good. They may not be learning the finer and harder points and the uh, the depth to which uh, that we're trying, needing to be taught at. And so you were making a disclaimer that you tend to go the other way. Right. And you tend to... Um, I have a, teach a little tendency more academic, to think like a, yeah.
0: like a college teacher, which I've been teaching at the college longer than I've been. I get it. So it it,
1: it has a little bit more of a lecture tone at times, but then there's also this there's a personal application thing that that's what really brings life to the word. Is Practicality, how does it, yeah. And you used a word for that too. It was a big word. Did I?
0: Yes. Uh, something Theo. Oh, philosophical lecture. There you go. So yeah, that that kind of. That just came to me the other day. I was thinking, you know, that's kind of the way I approach things. It's theologically grounded, philosophically oriented. So, yeah, it's kind of a theophilosophical way of looking at things. Yeah, so we're... um, So, um, are other churches not teaching the right way? Are they teaching the wrong way if they're not teaching like we do? Um, No, no, I won't say that they are. Um, They're doing what they think maybe is right, the best way to present the scriptures. And I think it's worth noting, and I think you probably would agree with me on this, Mark, um, different people have different giftings. And, um, you know, there are some guys who, like I'll give you an example, pick out a guy, Greg Laurie. Yeah. He's an amazing evangelist. Um, Guy's been, for the better part of the last 40 years, been doing evangelistic outreaches. I wouldn't say that his messages are you know, super, super, super deep. They're not unbiblical, but they, you know, he has a certain gifting and he has a certain thing that he's seeking to do. Mm -hmm. And the way that he presents the scriptures, he reaches a ton of people.
1: Right. And I listen to Greg's teaching from time to time that he gives in a pulpit at his own church.
0: A little bit different than a crusade.
1: Yeah. It's a little different than a crusade, but it still is very much reflects his teaching style, his heart. And so there's a certain, and I'm going to say depth or level, that is put out there, and I'm not criticizing that yeah, at no, all. Yeah, not at all, not at all. Because it's very uh, more bent towards being an evangelistic right. message. Yeah. And so um, I think he's doing what he's called to do. There's nothing the matter with that. And uh, he's doing what he's, he's called to do. But I do, I do think that you have to speak and teach your convictions, and you're gifting, and you're gifting, right? Yeah, and so those two should be the same thing, uh, hopefully.
0: Hopefully, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, uh, So if for everything to work right, so uh, wrong, no. The only yeah. challenge I do have with some teaching is, um, when there is teaching and the Bible is not presented in a way where the absolutes are taught, uh, the Bible is apologized for, uh, where a substitute is taught. We can lead people astray, and that's when we get into the itching ears thing, and uh, people have to be very careful. Of that. If we're and there's fearful a fearful of being of,
0: confrontational, and yeah, and there's a lot of that out there. Yeah, and and um, and then a lot of teaching is mixed with politics. We don't want to soft pedal what the scriptures say. No,
1: and then I, I think sometimes people can can you know mix some politics in there, just like some people mix some legalism in there. Uh, the hobby
0: horse preacher.
1: Oh, there you go. That's like like Alister brings that yeah, up. He in talks his, about that. Yeah, pastoral teaching thing
0: the cheerleader, so. the hobby horse. What are the four he like gives four or five different he said he talks about the, the storyteller, the, the storyteller. storyteller,
1: which is great because yeah.
0: right after that he starts telling a story. He starts
1: telling a story. Yeah, Alistair story. always tells stories. And yeah. so uh, You, you know, know what
0: I like about Alistair? He always he knows song lyrics from like virtually every Beatles song, like all the old classic songs. Right. He just kind of weaves them in there. He'll start kind of weaving them in and listening. Yeah. Ah, blah, blah. Yeah, lyrics. That's the word I was. looking for. He can with. get
1: away with anything because he's got an. He's accent. got a Scottish accent. He, he seems gets more intelligent than he really is. points
0: for Scottish Scottish accents. Yeah. You and I just sound like nothing, just, bros. Yeah, basically. from Escondido. We're from We're from SoCal. Yeah, yo, yo, dude. Yeah, Deuteronomy, dude. Deuteronomy, brah. Deuteronomy. Surfs up, man. So much for that. You know when i when I lived in England as a kid. And uh, it was right around the time that Baywatch came out. You remember that? I never saw it. Well, you know, you know what it's about. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it happens on a beach. About, Everybody's running around I mean, in bathing, bathing suits. suits. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway. Um, I think we used to call it Babe Watch. Okay. So, yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I think it was in third grade when we moved to London. And um, they all just assumed you're from Southern California. So you spend all your time on the beach, right? You're, you're there every day, Right. It was like, well, no, I don't get there very often. Now, of course, you grew up in La Jolla. I grew up so the You were you were yeah. there all the time. Yeah, I grew up inland, like twenty minutes inland. You might as well be in Missouri. That's true, it, especially when you're a kid, and you don't have a car, right? Yeah.
1: So, it was funny. Sometimes I used to work on boats.
0: Did not you? So I, yes, did I did not know and that.
1: I work, on, but um, we take boards on the boat sometimes. Oh, surfboards. So yeah, you're you're on the you're off the coast of let's say up north. Point Conception, uh-huh. and you're anchored there. in the, Point hey, Magoo, Point Conception. Surf spot. Yeah. And people from other places on the planet, because a lot of these people are from like Louisiana, they would just thought we were nuts. Hmm. So, well, they were right. Well, I mean, yeah. So. Um, so they are not wrong. That was They're the not prayer. wrong just because they're not teaching just like different. us. Not wrong,
0: just Just different. different. But definitely. Unless they soft pedal the scriptures or don't teach the scriptures, then
1: they're wrong. right. You know, if they get on a hobby horse where they flavored everything so much, they try to mix their own personal deal in there. Mark 14.7 says, this is question number four, the poor you will have with you always. What is this saying?
0: It seems so negative and hopeless. Mm. Well, it's saying what it's saying. The yeah. poor you will have all with you always. Now, it
1: is a response to something.
0: True. I. It's worth saying that, it's really more of a statement of fact than it is a declaration of how things are going to be. It's just how things are. So Jesus is making an observation here that, you know, the poor, they're always going to be there. It is a reality of living in a fallen world that we have the reality of poverty. It's just, it is what it is. So I don't know if it's necessarily hopeless. You have any thoughts on that? Well,
1: there's two things that are happening here. One, he's giving a response because I believe it was Judas is... Criti- or somebody upset. is criticizing the use of, we'll call it church funds. We could or, call it that. Yeah, they, it, I believe. Oh, now I remember. The scene is is that he is anointed with um, basically Mary's four hundred one k, her this precious alabaster container of fragrant oil. She uses it to anoint Jesus, and it's this lavish, unselfish act of worship that leads everybody else in the room maybe not looking as spiritual. And nobody knows what to do with this situation because it is just out of control, over the top. And the reaction to this gift that acknowledges the deity of Jesus, this anointing, really, when you look at it, The comment that is in this guy's heart, and it ends up being Judas, so we know what he was thinking about. It would have been better if she hadn't done this. It would have been better if she had. We had used this to be sold this costly oil, and uh, given to the poor. And Jesus defends Mary. He does in in a big way. Yep, and kind of sets Judas uh, gives him a little shot of reality and answers with them that this was done to anoint me. Right, And it's an awesome thing. It's always, it says later on, he says that this is going to be talked about for a very long time. It'll be part of her reputation, who she is. And don't diss her. And right. uh, you're going to always have poor people. So let's not get too
0: wrapped up about this. And we shouldn't miss what the whole verse says in verse 7. It says, for you have the poor with you always. It's just a yeah. statement of fact. Right. And whenever you wish, you may do them good.
1: So- exactly. Go fix it. Yeah. So, and, and I will say this. I mean, I would agree. It's a, it's a statement. It's a fact. And there, there's a lot of reasons for people being poor. There are, you know, and a good amount of them. Um, some people are at a disadvantage. Some people are not. Uh, they just make really poor decisions. So, yeah, it's just a fact of life because we live in a fallen world. So, Yeah. It's just, a, it's, it is what it is. The sky is blue. It is. It's a statement. So, um, but the good news is you can do something about it. You can. Just exercise wisdom when you're doing it. This is a very good point. And do it in Jesus' name. I agree. Okay, so number five. What is it about Deuteronomy that makes it like other treaties from the time of Moses? That's a great question because you mentioned that, and I was super stoked that you brought out the treaty thing, the uh, suzerain vassal treaty. Yes, yes, whatever that thing is. Yes. yes, the sous Chef thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the I liked it. It was good. You threw the facts out that you know this helped date the document. Uh, it helped show that uh, Moses was clearly a part of the culture that used this type of writing and document and treaty. And the thing that my head went to immediately when you start, started talking about a treaty format was my favorite point of the whole thing was the fact that this was an outline of a treaty between God and man. And as we're going to dive into Deuteronomy, I'm going to have that in my head. That's what I'm going to be looking at, the, kind of the, um, the frame that I'm going to have around this picture, is how is this showing this exchange, this agreement, this treaty, this promise that God is going to uh, bring through these scriptures, but how how is that all going to work out? And obviously, it's a foreshadowing of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm looking at, at going through Deuteronomy for the first time with that in my head. So I'm super stoked. Yes,
0: yeah, so the... Good point, amigo. Those words, suzerain yeah. and vassal. Suzerain is a a sovereign, like a, a ruler over an erit- area or territory. And vassal is a person under that sovereign who is basically taking care of the land or they are kind of the one who is uh, under obligation or contract if you will I want to see I, I I'm
1: going back right now to like 5th grade history I remember There this. you go yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah there you
0: go So the treaty is between the suzerain the sovereign and the vassal the person underneath that that sovereign Farmer of land,
1: farmer, uh, you know, vine dresser slash uh, vineyard owner, kind of, yeah. So then,
0: so when you go to the Book of Deuteronomy, and I said on Sunday that it follows that suzerain vassal treaty format from the second millennia BC. So it is the traditional view, and the view that we hold here, that Moses is the primary author of the Book of Deuteronomy. Obviously, the passage that's written at the very end of Deuteronomy, after he dies, he didn't write that. Um, Probably Joshua did. I would think maybe he was the scribe.
1: Is it kind of like with Frodo and Bilbo? He got to Frodo got to finish the last there bit of the Lord of the Rings. There you go. Last bit. Pass that off. So,
0: um, so the traditional view is that Moses was the author, the speaker of the speeches of Deuteronomy, the author of this treaty format. Uh, he would have died right around 1400 BC, right in that territory. So that's mid second millennia BC, and these treaty formats are from that period of time, and we have archaeological evidence, documentary evidence of these things. And they, they have basically like six steps in the treaty. And I'll, I'll talk about this some more as we go through the book of Deuteronomy, but Deuteronomy follows this as well. It has a preamble. That's the beginning of it. It has a historic prologue. So that's a description of the previous relationship, the past relationship that the suzerain God and the vassals, this is the people of Israel, right? right the past relationship that they have had with God. And then there are the terms of the treaty, the stipulations, what, what's this treaty all about? And then there's a document clause, and um, this is all part of what we'll see in Deuteronomy. And then you have the witnesses. There, there is no divine witness in Deuteronomy because God is the one who's giving this, this. And then you have the curses and blessings. So the thing ends with, hey, here's what's going to happen if you keep the treaty. Here's what's going to happen if you don't keep the treaty. And so when we get to the end of Deuteronomy, that's exactly what we're going to see. And that's going to become really important when we go and look at the history of Israel. So we talk about books like Samuel and Kings and Chronicles because in the history of Israel, they do not keep the covenant and the curses that God said would come to them if they didn't keep the covenant. That's exactly what happens. So then you, you bring the prophets into that too. And the prophets are just basically telling the people, if you keep walking like this, you keep worshipping false gods and you keep sa- sacrificing on the high high places and in the valleys to these false gods then this is what's going to happen to you the curses of Deuteronomy so they're just applying the scriptures so
1: right and i think uh, you know just to shed some light on this i think when you try to go study the prophets and you try to like expand on the prophets but you don't understand Deuteronomy to begin with right. you're not going to catch the spirit Absolutely. of what the prophets are trying to do And I think you're gonna you got to be really careful you don't misrepresent God. Yep, because he can seem like he's really full of wrath, but it's basically let's not play on the freeway, kitties. Right, and they're on the freeway. And and this and I
0: told you this would happen if you did this. Exactly happening. Yeah. So you're getting upset at me because I'm exactly what I told you would happen is happening. He's not bringing a judgment. If you touch the stove, you're going to get burned. Exactly. Then you get burned, and you blame me for telling you that you would have gotten burned. Right. Which
1: I think is you know. Welcome we do to two thousand
0: twenty. Yeah, we do that a lot, don't yeah. we? Microaggression. We spend a lot of time putting our hands on the stove. No here. safe spaces at cross connection church. No, no. trigger warnings. Well <laughs> I guess last Sunday kind of was our a trigger, trigger room has real triggers. Yeah, but anyway, true, that's yeah. another thing. So um, so so but you're right. Like I I am a I've had the privilege of teaching through Isaiah and Jeremiah in a Bible college setting. And I tell my students all the time when we start, if you don't understand Israel's history and you don't understand the book of Deuteronomy then Isaiah and Jeremiah and the other prophets, you'll you'll have a hard time with them. Right. So it's important to understand the cultural and historic context in which these things were written, because then you really understand what's being said. Cool. And actually, we're going to have a question having to do with that out of the book of Isaiah in a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So number six. This is a scary scripture. hmm This morning I read Matthew 7. It speaks of judging others and self-righteousness. And then later in the chapter it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will will be like and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And, this is scary, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I've tried not to judge, but I judge capital letters constantly. <laughs> this chapter fills me with dread because then I am not doing the will of my Father in heaven. It sounds like he isn't going to let me in.
0: I thank God for grace. Yes. I really do. Well, and But at the same time, I would probably agree, and I think you would as well, yep. This chapter has filled a lot of people with dread, the very end of Matthew chapter 7, having to do with, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do all kinds of marvelous works in your name, and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. So, uh, yeah, that that should be a sobering reality. However, let's go back to the beginning of this. Um, it speaks of judging others in self-righteousness, and so this concept We are told sometimes by people that the Bible says you shall not judge. And, you know, there's a way in which you can read Matthew 7 where you could come across with that, but that's not what's being said. It says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge you will be judged, and the measure that you use will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, there's a plank in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove—this is really important— first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So the point here is that it's not saying that we should never, ever judge people, but we should make sure that we have applied the Scripture to ourselves first. We've dealt with our own sin if we need to, and— um, And then in that respect, then we can, you know, help other people deal with their issues. So, um, so yeah, it's not a command to never, ever judge. It's just to make sure that you are judging yourself also with the same judgment that you're going to judge others. That's important. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of this, uh, the person says, I've tried to not judge, but I judge constantly. Yeah. The Lord may be speaking to you in this passage that, um, Maybe you need to uh, lessen your judgment of other people. You need to take it seriously. Yeah. First, remove the the big old plank, the giant the, log. The Dixie Line lumber yard yeah. out of your own eye. Out of your own eye. And, uh, and then you'll be able to see clearly. Now,
1: I'm just going to get practical with this for a minute.
0: Practicality?
1: Yeah. Just like, how does this work out in real life? Of like, first removing the well, plank like, from your own How eye? do you know you have a problem, right? <laughs> You know, and, and, and we see our sin best in other people. Yes, that that's one thing. Um, and just it, this is a good kind of a gut check for people. And I, I see this, uh, you know, legalism and being judgmental. Uh, and I say this very facetiously. That's the gift that keeps on giving. And if you're a parent, and this is your this is your vice where you judge people and you are always very legalistic about everything and your kids watch that, there's a really good chance that your kids are going to want to have nothing to do with your brand of Christianity at the very least. And there's a good chance they're going to want to have nothing to do with the relationship with God because that's what their perception of what Christians are. And so I'm just giving a real practical piece of advice to you parents out there. Be really careful with this. Because a little bit goes a long ways in we have a responsibility to our children uh, to, to present the gospel for what it is and a, lead a godly example in how we treat people and we judge others. Uh, the other side of it is is you look around and you have no friends. Nobody wants to hang out with you. You're not a fun person to be around. There's a good chance that you're judging people and you're really legalistic. Uh, you're that, always that stick in the mud. Yeah. And obviously, we want to stand for righteousness. I'm not saying not to do that. Uh, But there's an appropriate time to take that stand, be led by the Holy Spirit. But you have to be really careful. You're not judging and correcting people all the time. And those people are no fun to be around.
0: Well, Colossians 4 says, let your speech always be with grace. There you go, seasoned with salt. There you seasons go. A so a was, little bit. I was looking around in my office here a second. Ago. You probably saw me doing that, Mark, oh, because did. I was looking for the book. I if, thought
1: you found some of those uh, Reese's Hearts. No, I think we're all
0: out of those. Okay. Dorothy, we're all out of those. Dorothy. Yeah. Dorothy, we're all out of those. Dorothy gave me Dorothy. a monstrous one for my birthday. Oh, man. Anyways, I haven't dipped into it yet. I though. was looking for a book that I had. It was right over here on the floor, uh, where a lot of things are in my office right now. Uh, biblical Self-Confrontation. Ooh. Do you remember that book? Have you seen that before? i Want to say I've read some experts that excerpts. It's a from great, it. yeah. it's a great course, kind of a biblical counseling course, if you will. I took the class almost twenty years ago, and it was a long class. It was like half a year class. But the whole point of the book is this passage in in Judge or Matthew seven five. First, remove the plank from your own eye. Right. So the the whole concept is use the scriptures to examine yourself, seek to live by those things, and then that will give you the ability to be. A minister to other people. But let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. And um, a little practical example of this. The other night, my lovely wife came home with this massive bag of chocolate chips from from Costco.
1: Semi-sweet
0: or milk they chocolate? Were, they were huge. Costco, you know, you used to be able to buy the Nestle ones, the yeah. big yellow bag of yeah. chocolate chips for chocolate chip cookies. Well, apparently... Well, chocolate chip cookie... Chocolate chips are not just for chocolate chip cookies. Well, no, no, hold friend. on a second, though. Apparently, Costco realized that uh, they've been selling a lot of these and giving too much money to Nestle's because now they have their own Kirkland-branded mm. chocolate like chips. like they made their own Nutella now. Yeah, and so you cannot get Nestle chocolate chips, but it doesn't matter. I digress. So she wanted to make some chocolate chip cookies, and of course, I didn't say no. Why would you? But a as fool she was, brings
1: trouble upon his own home.
0: As she was making them, she was uh, Evangeline loves to bake, so Evangeline was helping her. And Andrea went, "Oh no!" And I said, "What?" She goes, "We put too much sugar in there. Bummer." And so she's like, "Well, I guess we have to start over." I said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" I said, "How much sugar did you put in?" She said, "I put twice as much." I said, "You just need to make twice as many cookies." Absolutely, that's a no-brainer. Twice as many cookies. It's don't start over. I I'm just glad double the recipe. There, you are the voice of reason in that. House. I said double the recipe and we can freeze the rest of the dough. So yeah. we have a whole bunch of frozen dough. But anyway, all that to say. I love frozen cookies. If you dough. have a Ooh. recipe, because while she was making this, Evangeline said, I remember this. It was just Sunday night. Evangeline said, We're putting salt in the cookies. And yes, the cookie recipe calls for a little bit of salt. A little bit. little bit. You don't want too much salt. Or you'll in have in beef jerky. Cookies. Yeah. But you have to have some salt. In your chocolate chip cookies. There needs to be some savoriness in them chocolate chip, chip mm. cookies. But anyways, um, so same thing with your speech. It needs to be seasoned with salt. Not too much salt. Not a cup of salt. Just enough. Yeah. Yeah. You ever met those people that just complain about
1: everything? They're a little bit salty? Yeah. yeah. You could give them a free ice cream cone
0: and it was the wrong it's flavor. It's like drinking the Dead Sea. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I just... Stings your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Kills I'm, everything. I'm like no fish, no life. Dude, there's sea. no joy. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, grace, grace, communion grace, cup full of lemon juice. No good. Seasoned with salt. Yes, yeah, seasoned with salt.
1: Not a salt block. So, yep. yeah, I think take that habit into captivity. Pray about that and ask somebody to hold you accountable. Amen. And then go from there. All right, seven. Why does the author you mentioned not believe in free will? Question mark. It sure uh, seems like we have
0: free will. We certainly do live as if we, we got have free will. willy. That's for sure. We um, thanks, Mark. Um, we live as. Wasn't if we he have a free Shamu? Free will. He was. Yeah. 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 yeah he, he got set free. Wow. Which in reality, if you have a captive killer whale and you set him free, he's probably going to die. Yeah, they die. Yeah.
1: How's anybody going to know what these these killer whales are all about
0: if they're not one to look at? There was this. Uh, I was reading this article about a a pod. I think they call it. Yep, of they killer call them whales. pods. Yep, a pod of killer whales up in the Pacific Northwest area that will only only eat salmon. But the problem was is that this pod of killer whales that refuses to eat any other seals fish, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The salmon runs are not going like they used to.
1: Yeah, climate change. And so
0: this pod is going to have some problems, and they're very concerned about whether or not that pod is going to live. Because it's like, well, you know. There you go. They better learn to eat something else. Because let me tell you something. When my kids complain that they're not going to eat what I put in front of them. They're not going to eat. They go to bed hungry. Yeah, like, hey, whale. We're going to let Darwin do his job right And guess what? They figure it out really quick. They go, man, I got these hunger pains. That seal looks really good. There you go. Yep. Anyways, um... So, this author, his name is Sam Harris, and he wrote a little book. Uh, It's actually not a very big book on free will, and he doesn't agree with free will. He doesn't believe we have free will. He believes that we are purely determined. But again, we don't live as if we don't have free will. Our justice system doesn't exist like we don't have free will. So, I don't agree with this author, kind of like what I mentioned this last Sunday. So, why does the author that I mentioned not believe in free will? Well, he has an interesting way of explaining how he concludes this. And it has to do with consciousness. He's a consciousness it's researcher. The,
1: I, it's not my fault. I just, no, 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 no. It's yeah. actually a very interesting yeah. thing. I was pre-programmed.
0: So, so in, there's part of this where I think you and I will agree with this author and go, okay, it does, abso- it does appear to be this way. He observes that thought appears to happen to us more than we actually conjure up thoughts. And I'm sure you've experienced this before. Sure. Thoughts just come out of the blue. Like, I, just a thought comes. You know, I need chocolate chip cookies. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, not like you, it's not like you necessarily had to conjure up that thought. The thought just came. It just appeared. You didn't intend to think that. And certainly we've thought about things before that we didn't intend to think about. It just, you know what it I just thought about? What? I just thought that, you know,
1: Sue, Sue one of our listeners. Yeah. And Gloria... Uh-huh,
0: they make great chocolate. They chip make cookies. They make great chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> they're amazing. And I know I know Gloria's secret to her chocolate chip cookies. It's love. Well, she just uses. she I can't tell anybody. No, don't tell no, everybody I can't tell everybody
1: No, we got to keep it a secret. yeah I mean, I do you know the secret though. Don't blow the source up. okay, oh, yeah, I know the secret.
0: But you know, but the Nestle chocolate chips are not at Costco anymore. Anyway, but oh, let me let me not so, get too far off this.
1: Hang on a second. why do I like them more than so
0: many other people? It's the chocolate chip cookies they're made with love. Yes,
1: they're nice people.
0: So Sam Harris posits that thoughts seem to be random and uncaused. They just appear. And that you didn't have to determine to think that way. You are determined to just think that way. It's not a product of your free will. So he Do you like walnuts
1: in your chocolate chip cookies? No, I don't
0: really care for nuts in my cookies. Okay, just wondering. But see, I have this wonderful mom, Jeannie. She's wonderful. I like her. But she has this compulsion... Put nuts in the cookies. It's as if she has no free will. She has this compulsion to put nuts in the cookies, always. Yeah. Maybe so, that'll slow you down. Yeah, cookies, no nuts, no nuts. I love them. My wife has been putting oats in the chocolate chip cookies. Well, that, What do you think about that? Okay, so my dad's got like his mom's
1: old recipe, but they make these oatmeal chocolate chip cookies? Well, that's different. I love oatmeal and chocolate chip cookies, so this yeah. is just oats. Huh? Okay,
0: my wife makes these peanut butter cookies that, like, they they are my kryptonite. I cannot stay away from them. Done, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's it's bad. If you have a peanut allergy, you can't come within five miles of these cookies. Really? Thank God I don't have a peanut Peanut-y allergy. goodness? Oh, they're amazing. But uh, Gloria yeah. makes
1: good lemon bars, too.
0: Man, we got a lot of good bakers around here. I love this It must be a Wednesday afternoon. Talk
1: about the sweet, savory
0: people we have here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's because they're sparing with the salt. That's true. They're not salty and legalistic. Yeah.
1: They're sweet and full of grace. Mm, mm. So anyway, yes, got it. So
0: I don't agree with Sam Harris. Well, Sam's full of it. yeah. I think that he makes a good observation, but just because our thoughts appear to come out of nowhere hey, doesn't mean that we are determined.
1: I, I'm just going to throw this out. The Unabomber made some great observations and had right, some great ideas, true.
0: but we don't listen to him.
1: Except for blowing people up. That yeah, was that kind was, of bad.
0: That's but where you went a little he, too he far. He had some
1: really good points. So yeah. You went way too far. From suffered now. from something they call, it's actually a mental condition. Insanity? No. It is called excessive intelligence. <laughs> You okay. and I will never get that diagnosis. Good. We won't blow people up either. Yes, exactly. We'll be just fine. Yes. All right. So All right, I think we on. answered that. Moving on. Next question. Yes. Uh, Pastor Rick Wiles, I don't know who that is. I don't either. Uh, says the coronavirus was sent by God to purge the world of sin and that Christians won't get it. Isn't there some truth in that God is allowing it? No.
0: Well... You, allowing it sure whatever yeah he I, allows it but okay. no he's no, I, I, no! Don't, I don't know who rick wiles is either but i'm glad he's not my pastor i'll tell you that much yeah but i did i would bring I, that guy cookies after i read this question i had to go online and figure out who the heck is rick wiles and uh so rick wiles he's from florida oh that makes sense All he's the sense from the world. florida rick wiles he, he's called on this news report from Newsweek, Christian pastor claims coronavirus is God's death angel, blames parents transgendering their children for this death angel called the coronavirus coming from. Pastor Rick Wiles claimed the coronavirus was God's death angel on his Monday evening program. So apparently one of our listeners is watching Rick Wiles on his evening TV show just last night, on or two nights ago on Monday night, uh, I would recommend... Stop watching Rick Wiles. Yeah. Um, There's enough labyrinth transgendering little children, yeah. the filth on TV and movies, and that sort of thing. Wiles is the senior pastor of a non-denominational Flowing Streams Church in Florida. There's as like well, four people though. This is my favorite part. As well as the creator of the True News streaming channel. Well, no, sir. I think this is fake news. Yes. Streaming news. baloney. Yeah. So... Um, all right. I do wanna I do wanna talk about for just a second the coronavirus because I'm I'm sure you've noticed I no, I drink
1: I drink Ducati. I'm fine. Okay. I'm kidding. I don't <laughs> drink Ducati. but anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, but I'm sure you've noticed there is a little bit of like kind of pandemonium and hysteria. No,
1: no, no, it's hysteria.
0: Yeah, hysteria. Yeah. Now so I thought I'm gonna do a little search. Okay. So I wanted to see how many deaths are due to the coronavirus. And as of yesterday, as of just yesterday, January twenty eighth, twenty twenty. The death toll stands at 106 from the coronavirus. Okay, now. Worldwide, worldwide. So okay, hold on one worldwide. second. But let me give you another stat. The 2019-2020 flu. That's where I was going. The United States of America, just in America. So worldwide, 106 deaths due to coronavirus. How many deaths do you think just in America in the last six months of the flu? 2,000. 8,200. There you go. Eight thousand two hundred. Right, the flu. San Diego on alone average, is right now up to like one hundred and fifty. It was some crazy On average, note. the flu takes six hundred and fifty thousand people a year. Yeah, like the flu is legit. So, Pastor Rick Wiles, I got a question for you. You are lame. Is the oh, sorry. flu God's death angel to kill people? Because a lot of Christians get the flu. In fact, I went to go pray for a good friend of ours who's a member of our church. And good standing.
1: I didn't get to go with you. Yeah, I didn't know And he's
0: been, he was on the sixth floor at Palomar. I love that guy. He just went home yesterday. Yeah. Not with Jesus. Went home, home, home. home, Thank goodness. Yeah. He was on the sixth floor at Palomar for a week because he had the flu. And his oxygen saturation was in the 70s. Not good. No. Dial 911. Yeah. So, uh, Pastor Rick Wiles, is that person not a Christian? Because he got the flu. Okay. I'm just going to throw something out. Yes.
1: You know, if you, you you roll into Exodus, uh-huh, when the Lord sends a plague and it's going to wipe people out, um you will know about it. He makes it clear. Yeah, on that night in oh, Egypt,
0: every firstborn.
1: Every firstborn. He was specific about what was going on. There was a warning.
0: Right. And they died. Yeah, and the children of Israel were not guarded from this unless they they put the blood on the doorpost of their right, house. Sign of faith. Right.
1: And so uh, this, if God wants to send a plague with angels, I mean, Sodom right. and Gomorrah, this and that, you'll know it. So it to, it's not, you know, well, do you remember when AIDS first came around? In, well, I was uh, really young. Okay, but that, unfortunately, there were some certain high-profile religious leaders, we'll call them, Right. Uh, if I said their names, you knew who they are. Oh, yeah. And they were spouting the that same guys AIDS were a,
0: you know, judgment God's God. judgment on... It's probably the same exact names that when Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana in 2005 that said that that was God's judgment, and that when the towers fell in 2001 said that that was God's judgment. we got to be really careful of these things. Yeah. Right. You know, Jesus had something to say about this in the Gospel of Luke chapter 13, Uh, you remember there was a group of people that came to Jesus in Luke chapter 13, and they asked him about a group of individuals who were killed in a a very terrible way. Uh, Pontius Pilate had uh, allowed some of these guys to be killed on the Temple Mount, and um, the Jews were very unhappy about this sort of thing. And then also they asked Jesus about a tower that had fallen on some people and killed them, and Mm -hmm. Jesus asks, do you suppose that those people who died were worse sinners than everybody else? And he says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. So he said, it has nothing to do with those people being more sinful. We live in a broken, fallen world and death and sickness and all this suffering as a result of sin in general. But, you know... Just because uh, something bad happened to someone doesn't mean it was specifically their sin. Now, that's not to say, I mean, some people can do stupid, boneheaded, sinful things, and they bring upon themselves the consequences of their own sin.
1: We call that, you know, let it, helping Darwin do his job.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I do, like so, teasingly, yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
1: go, Pastor Jason says what? Go stupid places with stupid people and do stupid things and win stupid prizes. There you go. So, yeah, you can do that. You can certainly bring that on yourself. Um yeah, I mean, yes, God is allowing it just because free right, will—that's right. Th- out there. Um, but um, I really have a great encouragement for this Rick Wiles guy. Yeah, uh, shut your yapper. Yeah, maybe you're making us Christians look bad. You're, your True News Network you're is mis- fake news representing God. Right. So please do that before you end up in the never knew you pile. Okay. We're,
0: we removed the plank from our own eye before we commissioned that judgment. Well,
1: you're not going to catch me calling the judgment. Give me a break. Okay, anyway. Matthew 8.12 refers to the sons of the kingdom. You're probably going to read that for us, aren't you? I can. Okay, it says, uh, That will be thrown into outer darkness. Who are the sons of the kingdom? Question
0: mark. How can I know I don't belong to that group? Verse 10 of Matthew 8 says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in all of of Israel. Israel. Um, This is having to do with the centurion who came to Jesus asking for Jesus to heal his servant. The centurion obviously was a Roman citizen and not Jewish. But he had the faith that Jesus could heal him and not even have to come to his house. So Jesus says... It's for his daughter, correct? Uh, No, I think this was for a servant. A servant, you're correct. The Lord my servant is lying at home paralyzed. Now this guy's name was... Dreadfully tormented. Well, we don't know his name. We just know a centurion. Okay. Okay. So uh, Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And then he said, I say to you in verse 11, that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what Jesus is referring to here in this passage is that it is faith that brings salvation because he marveled at the great faith of the centurion in this passage, and it is not lineage. So just because you are a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you expect yourself to be a child of the kingdom does not mean you're going to get in. So this is actually a statement more about faith than it is about uh, anything so how do i know that i belong to that i don't belong to that group put your trust and faith in jesus that's how you know pretty 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 straightforward yeah i think it's straightforward yeah
1: so good I mean, question, no, nobody really gets like into like i was nobody saying gets into heaven on an inheritance you mean you're just born into heaven no? well, i'm related to billy yeah
0: billy graham yeah there nope. you go no nope. that doesn't work nope not nope. gonna work you need to put your trust in jesus nope <sighs> yep <sighs> yeah um what is that whole thing? God doesn't have grandchildren or something? like What was that? You remember that saying? I don't remember. Uh, a, I don't know. I just, it's so much easier. I just, got these things wrong. Just put like, your trust in Jesus. Um, yeah. But I, you know, as say I was it, commenting earlier, we have some really good readers of the Bible. These uh, people are tricky the Bible. Question. I mean, I tricky, but good, deep I'm questions. This. I'm liking this. Keep yeah. it up. Keep it up. Yeah. I mean, this is
1: uh, good stuff. Okay. Number 10. I've been reading through Isaiah for a long time. Miles loves that book. That's I a good do. thing. I do. I read most of chapter. I read most of chapter forty-seven this morning, so it means I read. Okay, there was an excerpt that seemed to really apply to what I had just been praying
0: about. Read and read are the same. Yeah, know, read and read. Got okay. it. I'm. I'm right. the I small font, sure you... no punctuation. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, I, got I thought it. I made the font bigger for you today. Yeah, you did make it a All little right, bit I'm bigger. Working on
1: it. Uh, is that the wrong application? I really felt like clarity. It really felt like clarity. Okay, I'm currently having some money troubles, and while I thought I was. Looking at it rightly, I'm now seeing that I may have been way off. The whole chapter didn't feel like it applied to me, but I got a sense of being corrected. I'd love to talk about that in a minute. That I may have been a lover of money or a lover of luxury because of how anxious I've been to never be
0: uncomfortable.
1: I hope this makes sense. I think I know where
0: he's coming from. This is a really great question. Yeah, and but really I think you need question. to read the scripture. Well, it's a, a, it's a it. long chapter, but I do, I'll do. i just give a brief synopsis. Give us the flyover, will you? The synopsis. Land so, the plane, Miles. So the book of, I'm sorry, Isaiah 47. Well, really, Isaiah 40 through the end of Isaiah, Isaiah 66, uh, it shifts focus and it begins to talk about Babylon. Mm-hmm. So Isaiah right. 47 is talking about the future destruction. It was future destruction for them at the time that this was written in the 8th century BC, the future destruction of Babylon that would not come until a couple hundred years later at the hands of the Persians. Well, the Babylonians were incredibly arrogant, super prideful, didn't think that they could be destroyed at the time that they were destroyed. And so this passage here speaks against the arrogance, the foolhardiness of the people of Babylon. And, uh, you know, this is, perfectly pictured during the time of Daniel you remember the story of Belshazzar yep and Belshazzar has this big huge party Mm -hmm. and while he's having this big drunken orgy party they see the handwriting on the wall yeah mini mini tekel you that had to be a little freaky huh? right you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting wanting bucko and while that was happening well actually the context of that's important when he was having this little party yeah he's having this party as kind of like a big you know Giving we're God so the middle finger Yeah, a bit. because yeah. the Persians were knocking at his gate, getting ready to destroy his city. And he thought, my city will never be destroyed because we're so strong and amazing. What he didn't know is that his city was being destroyed at that, well, overtaken, I won't say destroyed. Yeah. It was being overtaken by the Persians at that very moment when God said, you've been weighed and the balance is found wanting. So the passage here is speaking against the arrogance and the foolhardiness of the Babylonians and thinking that they were going to be able to stand and they weren't going to be able to stand and they were going to be destroyed. So that's what the passage is speaking of. Now, as to what this question is asking, I think it's really important that when we read, the, we read the Bible, and I think that this person who's reading Isaiah, you're reading the Bible the right way. You're reading it trying to understand what it says, but you're also trying to know, what does God want to speak to me right, in this passage? And I would say, yeah, the Lord may be convicting you and speaking to you about um, not trusting in riches and um, not being a lover of money. And a lover of luxury, because there are other passages that talk about the love of money being the root of all kinds of evil, and so that's Paul's letter to Timothy, second, first uh, Timothy six, I believe it is. So, um, so yeah, the Lord could certainly be speaking that application to you, and might be something to pray about, and ask the Lord to lead you in an area of repentance, and you know how should I change this? You know, what are some changes that you make? You want to give me a this might help people. Uh, you want to
1: give me a couple paragraphs on the Holy Spirit, and being
0: convicted. Oh, conviction. Yeah, you know, I mean, the Scriptures say, Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John, the Spirit of God is in the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's what he does generally throughout the whole world. But he also continues to do the work of conviction in our own lives. He reveals from the Scriptures, we talked about this a lot, right. from uh, uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God it's useful for mm-hmm. doctrine so it shows us what is right for reproof it exposes the areas where we're wrong for correction so it brings us back in line and instruction in righteousness so that we would be thoroughly equipped for every good work so the spirit of God uses the word of God to reveal to us the areas where we're out of alignment i've used the uh, the illustration a number of times of a plumb plumb line plumb bob right and how the plumb bob it shows us a perfectly straight line and it exposes the areas where the building is out of plumb or crooked and if you try to continue to build a crooked building, it will not stand. It will fall over. And so you got to make sure that you are in plumb in our lives, too. If we want our lives to be strong and uh, continue moving forward through the storms of life, we want to build on the rock, and we want to make sure that we build where uh, we're not building crooked lives. Right. So the Word of God, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to expose the areas of our lives that are out of alignment. And then we can we can confess it to the Lord. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1.9 says. And then we can ask him, God, would you do a work of your refinement? Would you do a work of sanctification, is the big word that we would use, of changing me in the way that I think, in the way that I respond, in the way that I talk? All those things, very, very important.
1: Yeah, I, and one of the reason I brought that up is there are times when I've seen people take promises that were in the Bible, uh-huh. and they were made to, let's say, the Israelites— and they try to take those to themselves personally. And it's like, no, that wasn't written to you personally. However, there are times when we read promises or uh, scriptures that have conviction to them and it tweaks us a little bit. We take it personally. And I think many times that is the Holy Spirit saying, this is true for you too. And because when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are convicted when we're doing something we're not supposed to do, be doing. Truly. Uh, yeah. And it can also give us a conviction to do something that is right and something that is righteous. The Holy Spirit works that way too. And it can be a, a hard thing to explain, but if you're spending a lot of time with the Lord, uh, I think it becomes easier to see and sense his presence in those things and to do those things that are a little bit off the page, so to speak. And so if you're being convicted of this because you're reading a scripture that really has nothing to do with you, However, it's bringing some conviction into your heart, a little bit of like, maybe this is a problem. I would totally take that as maybe a nudging, gentle nudging and encouragement for the Lord to, again, bring that into
0: focus. Uh, maybe you need to talk to somebody about that. Like, do I do this? And, and I would add to that, that when you have that conviction or that mm-hmm. sense, like this person said in there, that, right. that you're out of alignment, that is an indication... Of a couple of things. Number one, it's an indication that the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Yeah, which is awesome. Number two, yeah. it's an indication that you have ears to hear it. Revelation right. 2 and 3 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. There are some people that can just read through whole long passages of Scripture, and they don't sense any sort of conviction. I would right. be far more concerned about that. So you have an ear to hear it. And then, you know, if you have a sensitivity to that, that God is speaking by his spirit. Your ears are open. You have a sensitivity to it. It's an indication that your heart is probably in the right place to be pliable so that God can do a work. So these are all really good things when you're sensing that, that voice of the Holy Spirit. And best thing you can do in that situation is do not harden your heart. I was just going to mention the, uh, the hardness of heart. And we're actually going to talk about this, that very verse in oh, really? Hebrews 3 this next week and when we talk about Deuteronomy. Uh, yeah. I want to say, I believe it was McGee
1: or one of the commentators that brought up the fact that hardness of heart was a term that was used in the time. And it meant the inability to perceive spiritual things. And so if you have the ability to perceive spiritual things from the Word, if you are either convicted or encouraged or all those things in a very real and genuine way, that says a lot about your heart, but it also says a lot about our Lord and Savior because He's wanting to communicate with you. He's wanting to encourage you and share Himself with you. And uh, there's definitely a little bit of a cause and effect thing going on here. The deeper and the more time you spend cultivating that relationship with the Lord, I think the richer and the stronger it's going to be. And And this, it'll change your life.
0: This very thing goes back to something we've talked about a number of times on the Questions podcast, and that has to do with is Christianity a religion or a relationship? And when you are reading the scriptures in this way Mm -hmm. and you are sensing the Spirit of God speaking to you, that is an indication that you have a relationship, a growing relationship with God, who is speaking to you, and you're not just crossing off the checkbox of religion, like, "Well, I read that chapter in Isaiah today." You know, I mean, we right. can we can have a Bible reading plan and just say, "Well, I read through five chapters today. I did my I did my thing. I, I did, did my right duty." Thing. Yeah. The question is, what came of that? Did it is change? There, you? Is there a change? Yeah. Is there a transformation? It's the same thing in going to church. If we go to church year after year after year and all we get is a a head knowledge about what the book of Hosea is about, then that's not sufficient. We need the the word of God to transform our lives. It needs to be evident to us and other people. Right. And it's going to be evident to, one of the great things
1: is, is, you know, we're probably not really great at self-assessment sometimes. People aren't typically, but when you take the time and you're convicted of that, there's others around you that I'm sure are seeing these things, right? Uh, godly friends or relatives or a spouse. It's usually the spouse that busts us, right?
0: Can be, can be, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, and we just have to be really careful. We can be really into deep Bible study, but if we don't allow the Word of God to penetrate deeply into our lives and transform us, then uh, it, it's not, it's not good. We might end up being one of those that the Lord says, you know, many will say to me in that day, but I will say to them, I never knew you. Right. So. Knowing God and knowing about God two
1: huge, very
0: different, different things. things. Huge, huge, huge. Really different. Is that the huge? Yeah, I don't know. Scam yeah. likely. My phone. Scam likely. I like that warning. Scam likely. You know, scam calls me a lot. You know what would be great? Huh. If we
1: had an indicator when somebody came up to us and it says jerk lightly. <laughs> like, that guy's a jerk. Don't even waste your time. No, uh, we wouldn't do that. Not helpful, not helpful. Yeah. How about one um, that just
0: flashes, this dude needs Jesus? Well, that would be most of the people we talk yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. Most that's of the true. people. Just assume. Assume they need Jesus. Jesus. Just yeah. go with that. Um, so this weekend, uh, we, as we get together, what should our secret be? Maybe we want people to tell us what their favorite cookie is. There you go. So is it uh, <laughs> chocolate chips with oats? Chocolate chips with, what else? Lemon bars, whatever. I love Mm, lemon bars. Peanut butter, peanut butter cookies. Yeah, you
1: know if you're not careful, what's going to happen?
0: We're going to get cookies. We're going to get cookies. We did kind of put out the call for the uh, the Reese's peanut butter hearts. Yeah, we're trolling people. Oh man, we're trolling. I I don't I don't like trolling my people. Yeah, we don't. We're not really trolling you.
1: But you know, it is a sweet saver when somebody shows up with cookies.
0: I'm gonna I gotta cut back on the sweets right now. I starting February 1st, I'm supposed to start back again with running. Okay. See, I'm off the sweets.
1: I got, I'm off a lot of two and a half days because of the, by recent illness and whatnot. But yeah, I thinking a little sweet saver probably wouldn't kill me. Two and either. a half days. I'm getting back to the,
0: back to the routine. You're back on the program. That's how I got to get back to the routine. We're going to be starting to ride again pretty soon. I'm there you pretty go. much healed up. So the, the, I saw that we're going to have some warm weather this weekend. Yes, we are. degrees this weekend. You know what I'm going to do this weekend? What? I'm going to go out in a boat. Oh, good. I saw you had the boat out here. I'm going to go cruising
1: around and check that boat out. So bay get bay cruise? Little bay cruise? Little bay cruise. I want to take some guys fishing. Oh, good. So Very good.
0: Spend some quality time with my brothers in Christ. That sounds like a good plan. Well, faithful listeners, keep sending your questions. We love the questions. Uh, and You can text them to 760-814-1223, or you can even call and leave a voicemail message, and you might end up your voice on the questions podcast. It, amazing. Yeah. Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Oh, and we should say, we should see if anybody wants us to do the live recording. Mark was thinking about maybe doing a live recording on some evening and uh, have an audience. I think it'd be fun. We'll see. If you think that's a good idea, you can let us know. Like, yeah. Think like, maybe, are we thinking like the Tonight Show? The Questions Podcast Live. That could be so dangerous. There would be no edits. No edits. I already got a name for it. Oh, Yeah. Unchurched, unchurched. It will not be church, but it's going to be at no church. no edits, unchurched, no, no edit. filter. You remember that hashtag? No filter. <laughs> okay, my hashtag wife and I were talking no about this filter. this morning. Yeah,
1: and she goes, "Oh, it'd be really fun if you guys did that, this and that, and you know, it'd be unedited." And and then she, as the word left her lips, she was like,
0: mm, "Yeah, maybe not." I like you being employed, Mark. There you go. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Maybe she was thinking you'd get in trouble. Ah, uh, probably a lot. Not quite as quick as you. No? Okay. Yeah. Well, All right, just, you can just
1: give me a dirty look. How's that sound? I do that now.
0: Okay. You will not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Shall we sign off? Yes, we will. All right. We'll see you guys later. Happy drills.